it was it's all it's all about one step in front of the next uh pace yourself you've got plenty of time it's it's gonna happen realistically um in five days of chasing sheep how, how many sheep would, would you say we saw ewes lambs rams um two thousand two two thousand Two thousand. Yeah. I would yeah, say we were, we were there. What seven? We we hunted seven days. I think. I think it was an expedition of epic proportion, um, and I think that that's the thing that stood out to all of us. It was way more than harvesting a sheep or an ibex. From Montana to Mexico, Texas to Tajikistan, Alaska to Asia, Colorado to Canada. Rolling Bones Outdoors presents Hunt the World. Our team at Rolling Bones Outdoors is here to help you create memories that will last a lifetime. Are you ready? Let's hunt the world. Welcome to this week's episode of Hunt the World with Rolling Bones Outdoors. Thanks for joining us today, and we are happy to have you with us in the Bone Cave. Today, we have the one and only Jonathan Ankner. I would say he's sitting to my right, but he's kind of jumping over and sitting in the high chair uh, across to me, to the right of Brad, to the left of me, and to the left of you, Bleep. Would that be accurate? That's right. We got. He, he's really not a high chair guy. No. <laughs> but he is sitting in the high chair today. He's on a computer screen sitting on the high chair. Yeah. So, anyway, and, uh, um, and then we have... Brad Dana, hashtag 393. I pass him in the morning, shoot him in the afternoon. Biggest bull I've ever seen, but that's the way I roll. I passed my sheep the day before and shot him the next day. That's bullshit. Uh, you did not pass your sheep. We're going to talk about Tajikistan today. That was a good segue in, <laughs> the conduit. Um, but we were waiting for uh, Mr. Ankner to get back to camp because the celebration of his sheep was going to proceed no matter what, and we had sheep on the mountain above camp, so we had to sit there and wait. By the way, can I just say it's nice to have you guys back after a couple of weeks off. Oh, thank oh, you. Good yes. to have you back. Yeah, yeah. Uh, good to be back. Great job, Brayden and Noel and uh, Eric. Um, Eric. Yeah. Um, they did. They they had a couple of great podcasts. I listened yeah. to them. Yeah. I don't listen to ours, but I listen yeah. to theirs. <laughs> Isn't that funny how that goes like that? They did a great yeah, job. They, they they did an awesome job. They really and, did. And you limped along yourself too. I did. I limped in and out, fading in and out. Yeah, it was it was really good. <laughs> so it's good to have you guys back. Thank yeah. you. Thank I know everybody's anxious to hear about. We're this. back here now, and spearfish now feels like Tajikistan, doesn't it? Well, it was minus it was minus eight at my RV last night. Was it? I didn't yeah. even look. But it was cold. Eight? That's what it said, but oh. I don't know if that's right. Eight to eight. Who knows? It was colder than hell. We had nine. Um, you had nine here. Nine. I think, nine above. I think it be, Beulah, it seems to have a little bit. There's a different weather because that mountain that comes oh, out. Oh, yeah. But yeah. anyway, but we're, we're here. Jonathan, you there, brother? I'm right here, right here, <laughs> w w w waiting to uh, rebuke your, your comment about waiting on me. I, I, I think I was done in about 40 hours, and I spent five days waiting for you guys. Boy, to, isn't uh, that the truth? Sight your guns in. Well, there, the uh, talk there, about, there's talk about, a perspective. You know, you know who the most valued client in camp is. Holy when shit. They not only have, they have a, an Ibex sedated. I mean, they, they gave him a trank of all tranks because his poor head was sitting down he wasn't even awake when jonathan shot him and it sounds like uh the marco polo was not much different so 
Brian and I had to actually work for ours, but you know, hey, hey just because if, if I that makes you feel to better, have the concierge service. In the <laughs> oh, that's it. I missed that box <laughs> when I. <laughs> I missed the box too. I missed the white glove concierge rolling bone service. So, um, what so, the hell? So, to all those listeners, if there, if you see the white concierge box, check that sucker because that's an easier hunt than than uh, the Brian and Brad show was because well, we didn't check that box. No, obviously Ooh. not. It, it, I missed it, and it should have been highlighted and emphasized in a different manner because Ankner found it and definitely uh, got a, he, he, he got it all put together for him. I should let everybody know that's listening today, okay? Um, we have the, the outfitter that we are going to be uh, talking about, we have had a seven-year relationship with. But we have not personally been there till now. And um, Jonathan, Brad, and myself are all owners of Rolling Bones Outdoors. I, I want to make sure that there's a disclaimer here because we're, we're going to we, – we vetted this. Uh, but um, I want everybody to know – a lot of times people always say, yeah, oh, yeah, you guys own the, the booking agency, so uh, you get preferential treatment. Well, I just want you to know – well, they must not have realized that deal. They Jonathan was the Jonathan only one that got the it. Owner, That's and we exactly were, right. We were just we were second-class citizens so, yeah, coming right. in. Right. Yeah, I would just want you to know. They fed Jonathan T-bone steaks or ribeyes every night, too, and we ate rice. If that was the truth, I swear <laughs> to you, I, I, there would be problems then. Because the rice with three pieces of mystery meat on top um, was not a ribeye. Oh, that's that's the tra- that's a traditional Tajikistan meal, and it was amazing for the first five days. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Um, so anyway, yes. So there's there there it is. We just got back, and uh, I just want to preface, and I'll kick the party off by saying this: we all three booked a sheep hunt. We all three went there to kill the coup de gras of what we thought was going to be the pinnacle of our sheep career, sheep hunting career, which was a Marco Polo. And we all agreed halfway through the hunt that we got way more than a sheep hunt with this. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. Way more. Value added. With, without a doubt. Yeah, this was uh, an expedition into uh into a, it's like it was like you went back a couple of centuries so so <laughs> except I, we were in a land cruiser l- heading up that which, heading up that dirt trail which is exactly <laughs> maybe maybe what we should do because i know everybody's like we're all amped up we just got back and just so all the listeners know we all three killed giants okay um when, when you sit them all next to each other it didn't you know one might have been heavier one might have been longer one might have been um uh um older but at the end of the day, they all had a unique shape, and they all represent the Tajikistan Marco Polo in the most extreme fashion, in my opinion. I would have shot any one of the three of our rams. All right, excellent. Yep, with, absolutely. With, I agree. So what maybe we should do is just start by the trip over and start at – because we all met in Turkish air in the Social Republic of Chicago. Boy, isn't that the truth? And um, maybe we should just talk about that moving forward and hear you guys' opinions of what you thought of the travel and, and where we were at so we can explain to the listeners kind of what happened and how it how it progressed. Well, well they say the challenges of this hunt, Tajikistan, are travel, uh, altitude, food, um, and remoteness. Um, those are yep. Those are four of the big challenges that people may not be aware of and and you know that they would face going on this the travel i thought was especially the 
airline travel. It was it was it was just a longer airline, uh, just a longer flight. You know, it went it went easy. I thought um, Turkish Air was amazing. Turkish Air was it was easier checking into Turkish Air in Chicago than it is checking into Delta United American in the states. I thought. Um, people were amazing that at, at the gate, they, tr- everybody spoke English. Um, they were very helpful, but that was my perception. Um, no, I, I, I agree. Um, you know, e- even, you know, the, the lady helping us fill out our paperwork, you know, um, you know the 4457s, all of our documentation, there <laughs> uh, was, or, or whatever. Uh, I think uh, Brian must've had a 4452 or, or something. Uh, <laughs> um, but anyway. That's another story. And, I don't know if and, we should you know, disclose no, that. We I, all had 4457s. <laughs> Every one of us had 4457s. That's all I'm going to say. Right. Yep. So, so. And, you know, th- think about it. Their, their, baggage, their baggage handler loading up our stuff, not wanting us to, and pushing the cart down the, uh, the concourse to security and then chatting us up like we, like, like we were old friends. Uh, not taking sure. a tip. Not taking a tip. Not, oh yeah, that was that, that was important. You know, I can't take a tip. I can't take a tip. And we're like, well, well, well you just provided a service. No, I can't take a tip. Um, but you know, from the time we got to Chicago to the time we were ready to board the plane, I mean, there were no hiccups. It was, you know, uh, it was seamless. Really, it was seamless. funny because I, the people in Chicago at the airport at the motel actually amazing people. They're so used to the system of Chicago, they don't even they don't even understand it's weird, right? Because well, they're desensitized. It's <laughs> what they know. It's all they know, right? But we we ran our our guns through security, and the dude that was screening them, he does like he his, his he did an arm pump in the air, and I was like, oh, that's weird. I've never seen that before. And he looks over and he goes, "They're all short actions. That's so cool." I'm like, well, he went, yeah, he was a gun enthusiast. He wanted to talk to us, right. so he's looking at he's he's obviously looking at his X-ray, seeing their short actions, um, and then he he had to come over and introduce yeah. himself and wanted to know what was going on. Yeah. I forgot to tell you guys this, and it just Jonathan just reminded me of it. Okay, so Jonathan went to offer the guy a tip, right? Okay, and the guy had to rebuke it. He had to say, "No, I can't do it. Right? right. I, I don't want it. Can't have it." So then I did not see Jonathan do that, and so then I went and offered him a tip. And Gordon, okay, our our newfound friend, who's a dentist from uh, the uh, it's the Northeast somewhere, Pennsylvania or something like that, right? He was Indiana, uh, Indiana, he? Yeah. yeah, yeah, somewhere in there. Gordon Green, um, so, with a short action three twenty five short mag, <laughs> which you would still, remember, and not still me. technically fell into the short action game, I guess. But <laughs> so anyway, he had tried to tip him also. So now fast forward four hours, we get through, uh, we uh, um, get ready to get on the plane. And we're standing there, and I wanted to get a picture with him, with Jonathan, just, you know, up with the Turkish air above and that said Istanbul. And so I went to do it, and he was like, no, 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 I don't need to be in the picture, right? And I was like, no, I want you in the picture. So then he jumped in, put his arm around Jonathan, and had a big smile, yeah. right? And so I got this picture with the Istanbul sign and a little video for the, um, for the show, right, for, to produce a little bit of a content for what this hunt would be. He came up to me while we were getting on the plane, and he goes, "I apologize. I did not. Um, I did not treat you fairly. I should have been more enthusiastic about wanting a picture with Jonathan. I didn't understand um, that you you really wanted me in it." Yeah. It, 
super kind. I mean, that's the, the I guess my point to that is that's the that's how this whole trip started, which was amazing. Service. Yeah, because this is a giant 777. Yeah. Right? And and we're coming through. He's standing at the gate then. And he's like, oh, I remember you guys. <laughs> so, yeah, they were awesome. Um, the that so you got a big giant flight the flight's a long one and it's it's a fairly big doozy and and then there's a layover at in istanbul um and then you got another long flight but not not that long but then you then there's the then there's the car the car ride is the other big chunk of the travel so i would say the travel gets broken up into okay you get the flights and then the uh vehicle travel and that in my opinion that was the hardest part of the trip uh the part that i liked the least because it was it was long and it was demanding and i gotta hand it to that um that dude the driver that we had because they they shuttle you they hire a shuttle service um from dushan bay to karog and he was a he was a driving machine i mean he made I, he gave Brian some new tips on passing on the wrong side of the road, on how to no, how I don't manage, think there are new how tips. to manage the I, horn. Oh, I've been doing the honking, and it's been offending everybody back here. I just want you to, Jonathan and, and Brad, you to know that. My wife's like, where where is this sudden enthusiasm for your horn coming from, Brian? <laughs> and I'm like, well, I'm just trying it because it works so well in Russia, or not Russia, but in Tajikistan. And she's like, uh, let's not do that. You're offending people. They're fingering us. It's I said, no, they're letting us know how many. But see, nobody gets offended in nobody Tajikistan. Nobody in Tajikistan got upset. Now, before we go into the drive, though, I have to tell you, all the listeners, okay, and maybe, Jonathan, you can speak to this, and Brad, you too, but before we get to the drive, okay, my perspective of the flight is it wasn't as bad as going from here to Minneapolis, rapid to Minneapolis, Minneapolis to Calgary, Calgary to Whitehorse, Whitehorse to Dawson right. City, because it's, it's probably just as long. It's a 12- to 14-hour journey. But the difference is you get in first class, you get fed like kings, or even if you're in uh, the not business class well, but the regular all, class, yeah. you got meals all the way through. When we landed, traditionally going into Canada, and I would like to hear what you guys thought of this, you have to go through um, a, a level of scrutiny where you're opening your guns, you pay 25 bucks, you get through. We bought a VIP service that comes with this hunt, and we're going to include it with all the hunts we book because it'd be stupid not to. But when we got off the plane they in Dushan Bay, us. our names were on a piece of paper as a VIP person. We didn't speak the language. We don't speak Russian or Tajik. Or Pamirian. Any of it. <laughs> and they were standing there, and they took us. We did this much. Yeah, it was, it, nothing. It was, it was nothing. idiot proof. I mean, maybe you guys could just speak to what you thought of that. Well, I mean, going into going to, to somewhere where you don't speak the language, you don't know the customs, you don't know, you know, do you break out a, your wallet and do you offend someone by tipping them? And to have them greet you with a, with, with a, with a placard with your name and usher you into a private lounge, uh, comfortable leather couches, uh, a bar, for soda or water or tea or coffee or a mixed drink and you just you wait for someone else to handle your baggage handle your documents right because we gave them we uh, handle gave them your our, visa our luggage handle your passport you're just it's it's you're, it's almost like um um yeah I, I i don't know what i'm looking for but it's 
it, there's no stress. Anything that would possibly uh, make you fearful or question, am I doing the right thing? It's all handled for you. And then they come, they say 25, 30, 40 minutes, okay, it's time to go. And you walk right out of the airport, you get into a private shuttle bus, someone else has already loaded your luggage and you're, you're whisked away down the highway to start your uh, yeah. your drive and, 30 hours down the road. And you're in a foreign country. I was most impressed at this. We're all sitting there having an, a, a beverage in these leather chairs and the um, their uh, basically clearance, their agent, their, what would I call it? Um, TSA. Their TSA or their, uh, you know, import agent. You know how you go through customs? Their customs agent came to us, sat down, and our guide asked us the questions that he needed to ask us. How much money you're bringing in? Are you bringing any of this? This Same questions. anything to declare. But you weren't. You weren't interrogated at all. You were sitting there in the luxury of this VIP room, and then they hand you your passports back, come back, hand you your papers, and say you're all clear, good to go. Like Jonathan said, next thing you know, you're sitting in a late model Range Rover or a Land Cruiser, Toyota Land Cruiser, and you're off on your journey. Right. Yep. What time? So what time? We got into Dushanbe. One in the morning. Uh, we were in the airport in the concierge lounge for one, one maybe to an two. hour. Yeah, we and then we were on the road. Two a.m. Two o'clock, three o'clock in the morning. Yep. Yeah. Two in the morning. We were started our started our drive, started our journey. Which you know, it's it's fourteen hours, no matter how you slice it, dice it. The first day to Karog, and Karog, uh, Karog, Karog. I, I think they Karog, pronounce yeah. it Karog. Yeah, yeah, it was almost like the K is silent, Harog. But, but anyway, it was because I think we got there at about. It was a long journey because it was. We left at two in the morning, and we got there, Three and we lost. We lost an hour, so it was like five because yeah. we changed another time zone. Yeah. And we so stopped and ate twice. Yep, we stopped and ate right before the road got bad, and then we stopped and ate right before the road got good again. <laughs> <laughs> Right. And, Correct. Uh, yeah. um, and, uh, um, and the VIP service, you, you don't have to worry about opening your wallet. Right. He tells you who to tip, who not to tip. Um, he paid for all the meals coming across, so we don't have to worry about converting cash using your credit cards. Right. You, we checked into a really well, nice hotel. There was, there was only one place that, I mean, it's different than America. You don't stop at, uh, Wendy's. You don't stop at, uh, Longhorn Steakhouse. It was. It these are, was. These are roadside restaurants, roadside cafe that, type that thing, the, and the you, travelers are coming yeah. into. And uh, we were um, the only people there in the morning, and we were the only people. We stopped at a gas station first, and and right. if we wanted any munchies or anything, but yeah. we had a lot of that stuff yeah. ready to go. And he was set for us, but we yeah. went all went into the convenience store just to check it out. Um, and it's amazing how much American brands right. in there: Coke, Pepsi, Fritos. <laughs> well, here was the other neat thing: Snickers, RC Cola. So they had <laughs> when when we filled up, we filled up uh, <laughs> natural gas yep. and the petrol. Petrol. Yep. Yep. So they had they had two tanks, and because we drove a long time without getting fuel. Yeah, like twelve hours. I know. So, yeah, yeah and no, was, I'm not kidding you. I know it's it's not it's not a twelve hour. You jump on I ninety or I eighty. No, or, it's a twelve hour race. 
about everybody's around you. These drivers are like race car drivers. Ankner was like, guys, we need to interrupt our conversation. Oh. Well, I don't look at the road anymore for a little bit. So, so the, <laughs> wow. the, the road, exactly. what, what is it? Um, six, seven, eight hundred yards straight down to the, to the river. And the cliff goes up. So this is the same. This is the same path that we were told that Alexander the Great came up into. And on the right side is Afghanistan as you're going up. And those mountains go up to like twenty five thousand feet. And they're all. I mean, it was impassable. And they said he came up and he looked and he said, "Okay, we're turning this army around because that was where it stopped." <laughs> Um, it was not going to mess with that. Oh my gosh. It was crazy. But yeah. these, you know, I mean, and you looked on the other side of the border and you could see all these little ancient trails. I mean, some of them went all the way up to the top, but there was a network of tiny little trails that people traveled on this. It was pretty crazy, but yeah, it was not, it was not an I-90 or, a, uh, you know, an interstate travel adventure. It was. Yeah. And it, and and the rules of the road are different. Um, the vehicle has the right of way. It appeared to me. Um, that was evident. Yeah, um, people didn't get offended. Two taps on the horn, and it was like, oh, there's a car coming. I need to get out of the road. You know that. Obviously, the, the we pass multiple. Go-er. Well, they drive this road two, three. These transporters that are taking us in these uh, um, these uh, land cruisers, they drive this road two, three times a week. And so they're commuting back to Heroic or whatever it's called uh, um, every week. So much so that in the middle, we, we're going 75 kilometers on the way back, okay, um, flying down this road. Is this and the white all rock? of a sudden we saw, we saw <laughs> lights flashing at us. These two uh, Land Cruisers stop. He hands this white package thing to the other. It looked like a white cruiser. rock. Yeah, it looked like a piece of chalk, <laughs> right. like a long piece of chalk, a broken up piece of chalk. They handed it to him, and uh, um, and right in the middle of the road, and they they made an exchange in words, and they drove off. And so we stopped to get uh, natural gas up the road, and, and we asked. We said, hey, this was the weirdest thing we just saw. So we asked our guide who was in the car behind us because uh, um, it was us three Americans in the front uh, uh, land cruiser. And uh, anyway, he goes, oh, no, that's a part that a guy at a checkpoint six hours from here needs for another one. And they grabbed it from a guy two hours up the road. And so they and I go, whoa, 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 whoa. are you kidding me? We, we just in the middle of all these this traffic on this road, one guy stops, another guy grabs this thing and he's going to be the UPS driver. And, it, and, it, and, then, and so five, six, seven hours later, I'd actually <laughs> forgotten about it. We pulled up to a sign he stopped our driver rolls the window down they start communicating it it was it was a little it was a A little part wrapped in white tape and he handed it to him and they did their little pomerian exchange and off we went rolled up his window (laughs) it was that's like pony express oh my gosh oh it's craziest (laughs) shit you've ever seen in your life man so but the the driving was it was jonathan Apparently, I thought Brian could sleep at the drop of a hat anywhere without. It's a big guy disease. Jonathan and I share it. And so (laughs) Jonathan slept and slept and slept. And I'm like, how in the heck is he sleeping? Because you're wham, wham, getting slammed around, you know, (laughs) driving around. I like Brad's sound effects today, Jonathan. (laughs) Wham, bam. (laughs) With, With one exception, we saw one guy with a spade in 
24 hours of this dirt road, and he was filling a pothole. One dude. I, I, wow. I, I use the reference of the guy, uh, the kid that was throwing the starfish back. Oh, yeah. And a guy comes along and says, there's thousands of you really going to make a difference? He said, for that one. Yeah. You know, and this, but this, guy's, this guy was totally hopeless. <laughs> like this, or this, the Dutch this, boy this, trying to stick this, his finger in the hole in ex- the dike. Exactly. This <laughs> damn road was, uh, I mean, there's just no helping it. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So, anyway, the, 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 travel in the vehicle was my least favorite part of the trip um and it was just a part you what got was through. your thoughts on it Jonathan, Me, uh, yeah. you know i i, I all things considered i, th- I thought you know, other than you know the the times we were on a, sh- a, a thousand foot drop off uh on a gravel road down into the border river between tajikistan and and uh afghanistan it was fairly easy, you know, and, and, and you know, like you said, they, 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 these guys make this, this commute, this trip all the time. And I swear they would know around the next curve, there's a pothole on the left third of the road. They knew the, these roads right. so well, they knew where so they could well. slow down. They knew where they could go 70 miles, 70 kilometers an hour. Um, but it, it still didn't, you know, didn't, it didn't help my blood pressure, you know, when, no, uh, when it was, it was, Ankner holds his hand back and he goes, here, feel my palm. It literally had pool of water cupped up in it. Is <laughs> we were, we were visiting at times wow. and Jonathan would put his head down, close his, I think he closed his eyes and he's like, stop talking. I, I can't talk right now. I, I, <laughs> we just we just I did that a couple of times. I we just give him 10 minutes yeah. and he's like I can't, I can't look anyway there's no direction that's safe so <laughs> wow yeah well that's takes experience and i'm glad those guys knew what they were doing i didn't think that so the ride in was bad for me um because i tried not to sleep and the the in the back seat of that um land cruiser i was in it was forward and i knew you could move it back but we couldn't get it back because they'd packed the luggage. On the way home, I just made the comment to him, we need those back seats reclined and then have them uh, pack the luggage. The ride home was significantly better than the ride in. And it was long, 100%, but I did, the travel to me was not as tough as Russia. Yeah. Well, Russia was way more grueling to get over to, you know, um, uh, Petro was way harder than this. Um, this Brian, is- your comment, you drink to live, I live to drink, right? I always and, – and plus I miss not having – I didn't drink any fluids and I, I would have liked to have more fluids because you got a, you got Mario Andretti here on a dirt road and uh, he worked hard to get around every car he got around because it's basically a one-lane one dirt road, right? And it's like tap, tap, flash your lights, we're going. Wow. Uphill, around curves. Is <laughs> it mostly at night? Well, on the way in, it was at night because we landed at one thirty, And so the sun came up, and we basically followed this little corridor of um, Afghanistan and Tajikistan all the way to the Premier Mountains, right? And um, so that was basically half at night and then during the day because it was so long. And then on the way home, it was two-thirds during the day. Um, because we left at seven o'clock in the morning and we got in late, but we would have made it all the way in the daytime on the way home. 
if we wouldn't have got stopped by a boulder the size of this room here that had fallen, fallen onto the road and they had two big excavators busting it up and digging it out. And so we sat for three and a half hours waiting for that to be removed. Right. I think it was it, wow. it was it was as big as the two ex- excavators. Oh my goodness! I mean, they just chipped away at it from each side. It was crazy. Yeah, it was it was it was pretty. And they were just dumping in America. They would have had to have like four hundred environmentalists there. They were just knocking that shit into the water. Wow. It was just dumping. Yeah, no silt fence. No worried about the redhead cockaded that's, woodpeckers. That's awesome. Get, get the road open. I love that. Yeah. Yeah, it was crazy. So, so yeah, then we ended we ended up ultimately in camp, and you show up in camp, and the base camp is unbelievable. Um, in this camp, it's uh, it's a brand new lodge. Um, they have it's off the grid, you know, but they have solar panels. They had a, a wind turbine, and they pumped the water right out of the creek, and it was. It was it was sweet. Is it new since Tracy was there? Yeah. Yes. It was. It was yeah. It was new since. Actually, we it's were, funny because I was sending Tracy a bunch of pictures, and he's like, "What the hell?" So when Tracy got there, they were so proud because they worked the five six days before they got there to get indoor plumbing in for Shannon and a toilet you sat on. But because um, my 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 the weirdest part for me was the hole in the thing when we were in istanbul i went in and i had to relieve myself in the, and so yeah you're talking about the toilets yeah i'm talking about the toilets so right, tracy right. had a new toilet put in for shannon they did and now for us um because tracy's not as important as uh, jonathan and brad <laughs> they 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 built a five-star lodge so oh, i told God. valdez i said you're not near as important as uh, <laughs> Ankner and dana because uh and, and you just let shannon know tracy yeah. that <laughs> she's a sweetheart but they built us a five-star a lodge brand so, new lodge so brian we're in istanbul and we're 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 you know we're in a layover it was a five six hour layover or something and Brian's the first one to use the restroom, and he comes walking out. And I'm like, holy shit, welcome to uh, over here because you have to squat down. There's a hole in the floor. And Jonathan's like, no, I was just in there. There was no hole. And I saw Jonathan in there brushing his teeth. And he's like, that, that, Jonathan's like, that's bullshit, Mamon. Uh, I call foul. Um, and he goes, the, only the last one was that way. Well, only the last door was open when I went in there. How was I supposed to have a reference that there was other toilets, normal ones? So I'm sitting there squatting shit in a hole um and it's going a, it looks like a giant skeleton keyhole in oh. a door you know one of oh, those wow. old doors yep. that the, the the fancy ones looked like a skeleton dude the the outhouses alongside the road were just a slit <laughs> and you just you know you did your, you did your winded and elevation adjustments <laughs> kind of yeah that looks about right yeah it makes so, you appreciate where we live some oh days. my <laughs> gosh so uh. But but yeah, the camp was amazing, and and then it was just a, a wild sheep hunt, you know. At that point, and now after after the first night, we all headed our separate directions, and you basically you just went to a you know basically a sheep herders camp, which around basically every valley there was a sheep herders camp. I mean, you would think you were. In you got to move your mic to your. We're having feedback problems. Oh, you would think every valley had. A sheep herders. I mean, we were in the middle of nowhere, and you here you come around the corner, and there's an, another sheep herders camp, and it was it was super interesting because they all had stoves. You know, they had a wood burning fireplace, but there was no wood. So, 
I, I, I think that from a travel perspective, well, there's one thing we forgot. And I'm, just, I'm listening to your guys' enthusiasm. I'm like, this is awesome. I, I, Brad, I love your energy today. You are um, – this is – it's bringing back a lot of fun for me from the trip we just got home from. But one thing I think that also from a travel perspective that listeners that thinking about doing this or would have reservations, once you're on the plane in Chicago – you do not need to worry about seeing anything or going through customs until you land in Dushanbe. Istanbul is not go through customs, right. get your bags like a lot of times you have to do. There's no port of entry there that you have to clear then to go on to Dushanbe. And I just think that's imperative for us to make sure we let people know that because we went to the Turkish Air Lounge and it was five-star and we didn't worry about anything. Five-star except the toilet. <laughs> right, well, but you know what? Some people like to right. do that that way, and that's yeah. their custom. That's their culture. Um, and uh, thank God Jonathan told me do the other two stalls because then on the return visit, I was <laughs> on the return visit, I was visiting that restroom a lot and would not have liked to have well, had uh, that experience. I was cautious at first because I knew none of the foods. None of the foods looked familiar to me, right? And there was a lot of food you just, you know, you could choose from. Uh, and, uh, it was uneventful, you know. I experimented a little bit, didn't get too crazy, but well, if you think about if you if you think about the food and the beverage, and you know, there's there was six or seven different types of of hot drinks, different green teas, black teas, traditional English teas, espresso, the small little uh, really thick coffees, American coffees, you know, selections you'd see at like a Starbucks, but then you'd have the salad bar, which would have 25 different types of olives and uh, spinach-wrapped spinach wrapped, uh, meat. Um, you'd have pasta, you have spaghetti. You know, you could get breakfast, you could get dinner, you can get desserts, dessert. I mean, it was, it literally was, um, the selection would almost be like a five-star buffet. And that's the only way, you, I mean, none of the food was... Vienna sausages and and, and 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 crackers and beanie weenies. It was everything was hand. Hell, they had the they had the one guy sitting there making pastries, rolling out dough, you know, and and as fast as he could cook them and and bring them out of the oven, they were going. I mean, that's the the, the you know the quintessential right out of the oven. Yeah, Istanbul uh, had an amazing airport it was really nice so so i i sent Lindley a thing and i said they had four kitchens three food bars two dessert bars two coffee bars and six to eight refreshment um uh um coolers stands where you could just go up and get refreshments from it and they literally had two dessert bars where just cakes and pastries and stuff i mean we sat by one one all day long and they had two coffee bars and they had three food bars and four different kitchens for, like they had that pastry kitchen that uh, um, Jonathan was talking. It, it was amazing. I, I was there was you know we didn't need to leave that right. No, we stayed there no. the whole time on both both ends, uh, coming and going. I would say the travel. If if as I was explained it to what it was going to be, I was expecting the travel to be a three to five. Okay, on a scale of one to ten, ten being this was easy. I was expecting the travel to be pretty arduous i was thinking it was gonna be a three to five in all reality i would say the travel was a six to eight i'd agree i would agree 
Yeah. I'm good with that rating system, Brian. No, would you agree with that? I d- I, yeah. I mean, because people listening today are going to go, okay, if I do this trip, if I wanted to do this trip, could I, one, could I really afford it? Um, two, uh, could I, do I really want to do it? <laughs> yeah. Is that, is that adventure right for me? Is that is right? It, is the language barrier stuff? I mean, s- our Asian partners all speak fluent English. Fluent English. That's actually that's, better than me. <laughs> <laughs> well, like this guy, it's amazing his worldview. And I mean, he had very few, uh, very articulate in English. And he had, he would have an, an intense conversation where very few words. I heard him stumble on two words and they were, he shouldn't have even been trying them, you know. I mean, it was, it was amazing the depth of knowledge that he has. Uh, yeah, he's a very worldly guy, yeah. and he understands the American culture and has thought about trying to move to America, but he has chosen other routes, and he was very uh, uh, descriptive and specific on why he hasn't chose America to live in, but he's highly educated and uh, um, and super articulate. Yeah, I, I personally, to me, just having somebody who speaks that well and handles those details, it takes... Because that's probably the thing that would inhibit me the most on something like this if I didn't have an English speaker. For instance, when we were in Dushanbe, which Dushanbe is not Istanbul, right? There was another American hunter. He walked over to us and he goes, is this, am I in the right place? Because yeah, this, this, this is a shoot, shoot show, show out here. Right. And, and then go- we, we met him later and he was like, it, it, he, cause on the way out, I put patted him on the shoulder and said, yeah, we're, we, you are in the right one. It's yep. all good. Just come with us. Yep. And he was so thankful. Yep. And he said, dude, he goes, your outfitter was sitting there going through everything. And then, and our outfitter didn't want us to talk to the other Americans. He wanted to separate us. He, Jonathan over here, Jonathan over here, John, Brian, no over. Cause Jonathan and I were bleeding over to maybe talk to some of these other hunters. And he was like, not, not having it. Get man. your butts over here. Yeah. This is my uh, corner. Yeah. <laughs> th- th- this is my service. I'm providing it. And yep. you guys are having an extraordinary experience until your ass is on that plane. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Everything. The handoff is secure. You're on the plane. You're good to go. And, you know, he, then we he, were going then, through security and he goes that Brian, see, that's bad service. He goes, yeah. that guy there, bad service. Yeah. He said that outfitter just dropped him off yep. and uh, bad service doesn't speak the language and he's yep. left to his own demise. Yeah. He goes, he goes, my, my outfitter opened the door and I basically <laughs> wish me good luck, but he doesn't speak English. So yeah, and um, that, that was, and he paid for the, his version of VIP, which wasn't ours. Right. And he was supposed to have an English speaker there too. He said, and he goes, I didn't, you know, it goes translator. I, yeah. I didn't, I didn't have anybody helping me. I, you know, I'm looking at rocks trying to figure out which sheep to shoot. And, and it was really tough. Well, so. we had, we had none of those. So Jonathan, why don't, why don't you, you did in 44 hours, 44 hours and 21 minutes, have your entire hunt wrapped up and uh, put in a box. You killed an amazing Marco Polo and one of the biggest Ibexes they've ever shot there. So why don't you just go ahead and tell us about your hunt? All right. Well, so, um, I guess it was, we got in camp Sunday night and then we, we broke base camp, separate vehicles, Monday morning, nine, 10 o'clock, I'm guessing. Uh, you know, we, we drove the river road for two, an hour and a half, two hours. We stopped between um, some ridges on uh, looking up one drainage um, and way up the drainage, there was a, uh, a spot of um, a patch of snow. And uh, within 
within a minute of stopping, um, they're breaking out the spotting scope and looking up there. And I'm like, they, they spotted uh, four Ibex uh, bedded down, kind of silhouetted behind this patch of snow and judged them and said, all right, those are, those are worthy of a second look. And uh, we continued straight forward and tur- as soon as we got past the ridge that defined that drainage, we, we turned uh, and headed uphill and we drove uphill for about 45 minutes over rock, over uh, a ditch, through ditch, through rock. And, um, and, I, and I'm, I'm, th- this whole time I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, I, I, I have a general idea of where we are in relation to the far skyline mountain, but I'm not really sure if this is the right uh the right elevation and and it just goes back to don't tell a dentist how to fill a tooth don't tell a eye surgeon how to uh you know how to repair a a a pupil you know this whole time i'm sitting there thinking i'm you know well i'm just gonna roll with it i'm not gonna say anything and we park and we get out and we walk about a half a mile fairly flat uh feet and they're peering over rocks and they're like, okay, it's going to be a little bit further. And we walk about 300 more yards and it's going to be a little bit further and probably three hours. Oh, we, we did bust a, we did bump into a Madisoni Ram, um, which I was not, uh, you know, I, I was not interested in that. That's a whole different story for another podcast. Um, <laughs> but you know, we we're, we're creeping, we're walking, we're creeping, we're walking. And then I start getting my bearings. Okay. That right there is that patch of snow down below. Uh, Oh, we are close. And they're like, Oh, we're, we're 200 yards. We're, we're 250 yards. We're 200 yards. And we kind of low crawl to an outcropping of rock. That's right on the edge of a 30 or 40 foot drop off. And as we get to that rock, um, Shafkat's like right there, turns around, kind of curls his finger right there, you know, gives me the, uh, go ahead and work your bolt, put your, put your bullet in. And, um, we probably traveled from the time we saw him seven miles. Isn't that crazy? They can see like 175 yards. I stood up next to that rock. The Ibex looked at me. They obviously never seen a human, uh, freehand shot, and uh, he soaked one in, ran about thirty yards, stopped, felt like he probably felt like a, I don't want to run a whole lot further. Hit him one other time, and that was it. I mean, the, 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 uh, the it was uncanny how they knew every ridge, every rock outcropping, every every slide, and I'm like. Yeah, you know, we uh, at one point I'm like we may be within a mile of these things, and we literally were within 250 yards. They they knew exactly where we were. Um, so to the cool thing was, yeah, like you said, um, Shafkat said uh, in his 30 years on that mountain, he he, he doesn't know if he'd shot if if he had been uh, present for a, a nicer ibex, which of course. Uh, you know, it makes makes your ego swell. Um, yeah, it was really nice. The beautiful ibex. Yeah. You you can see all these on our Instagram or our Facebook. Go to social media. Uh, we'll be posting them now. We haven't posted any yet until we did this podcast. 
um, even though we've been back for a week. Um, but we will uh, now that this is aired, we will uh, be dumping a bunch of these pictures, let everybody see uh, these magnificent beasts and uh, the landscape we harvested them in, which is uh, it's amazing. <laughs> but we'll talk about that in a second. So you literally spotted him seven miles away, uh, got within 150 yards, and you shot one of the biggest ibex they've ever killed there. Yep, that it was it was it was that quick. Uh, <laughs> I wouldn't say quick because from the time we spot him to the time I pulled the trigger was probably two and a half, three hours, I'm guessing. Um, but they they knew the hill, they knew the terrain, uh, they knew the tendencies of of, of where these. You know, when they feel pressure, which way they're going to break, which, you know, um, and we just we, we we never gave them the opportunity to know we were there. We got above them on a on an early afternoon where the thermals were rising up. And um, until we stood up, they, they didn't know we, that we stood up. They stood up. What What, what is that there? Uh, you know, they were looking over us into the sun. And it was, uh, you know, it was a pretty, pretty perfect pretty setup. Easy. Perfect, perfect setup. Perfect setup. And then, um, so so you get that. Then they tell you because we get a phone call. Of course, you're trying to get a hold of me, letting me know what's going on. And for some reason, your Delorum or Inreach was not communicating with my um, Iridium Go, my Sat phone. And so, but we were told you were coming in that night to the camp we were at, and then you never showed up. And then the next day we left, and then we were told that you would be there when we got back because you were hunting that area. And then when we got back, we were told that you had killed a ram already. So it was kind of demoralizing yeah, for us. We, yeah. we, we barely I mean, even I, figured I, I, out I the, the rules of the outhouse I'm before he's got two, guys, two animals some, down. Some people have the gift for killing. Some people have the <laughs> gift for just wearing out the soles yeah. of their boots. And I'm not, I'm not going to say who I am. I'm not going to say which, you know, how many miles you guys put on your boots. But, you know, in, 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 in a situation like this, it's about efficiency. It's about making yeah. sure your target yeah. is killable. And, you know, we don't need to be slinging lead all over the Tajiki Mountains, but, I mean, that's just my philosophy. We, I'm not saying it's the right philosophy. So what you're saying is we, we could take lessons from you in, efficient, in hunting efficiency in the premier mountain range of Tajikistan. Well, you can interpret what I said however you want. If that's, how, <laughs> if that's what you're feeling, then, uh, if that's what you're hearing, you know. Oh, yeah, okay. Oh, man. Yeah, all right. Um, I hope the Argali clubs listen to this bullshit. So anyway, so then literally um, they spot your ram that next morning and said, we're going to go after him. And you went up immediately that morning right away. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, it was uh, – I'm trying to think. It was, see, I, I shot my Ibex at 2 on a Monday, 2, 2 p.m. on a Monday – and it was probably two days later, Wednesday at like, we, it was the first stop, the first glassing point. And they said, we saw one, two, three groups of, uh, of sheep. That's a bunch of ewes. Those are immature. That group right there. Uh, those are some shooters. And it, it, it was that's where we're going. I mean, there was no, there was no question of, are we going to observe them? Are we going to look at them? It was, we're going after those. And we probably, we, we, we drove up, parked, um, started side hilling 
for probably an hour and a half. And then I, and I realized, um, where, where we were and where the sheep were, we had probably gotten maybe 50 to a hundred yards too high. Um, our, um, Saddam was at our original observation point. So he was helping us understand where we are in relation to distance and altitude above. And at some point we, we had gotten to a point where we were going to have to crawl on our hands and knees and bellies for a couple of 300 yards and kind of the same thing with the Ibex. There was a, there was a rock we were going to. Um, we butt slid, belly crawled, hands and knees, got to the rock. Um, kind of the same thing. Um, they, they, it, curling his hands saying they're right there, they're right there. And once I finally got my eyes around the rock and saw them, we were, my, my, my thought was they were going to be about 200 yards away. They were about 350, but you know, zero to 200, there's a, a, a two inch difference at 300. So, um, the, the hardest part was the steepness of the, uh, of the hillside I was on, um, they, a group of probably 20 stood up and started moving away. They, I wouldn't say we, they busted out. They were slowly moving away. I peeled off one shot at, uh, 250, um, and took out the back leg and he went about 30 or 40 more yards and turned sideways and at 385, uh, punched him shoulder through shoulder. Um, his heart um, and esophagus just came apart and he just laid down and uh, it was over. It was uh, from the first shot to the second shot was probably 30 seconds, 20, 30 seconds. And the, uh, he, he was the dominant Ram because all the other Rams in the group were looking at him what to do. And, uh, and he just <laughs> laid seen down on his before. belly. And uh, they they slowly filtered away, turning around, watching him and watching us walk up to him. It was pretty, pretty interesting, um, pretty interesting. And, and it wasn't, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to make any. It wasn't like a treacherously high shot or a, a low angle shot. It was it was fairly, fairly flat. Um, first shot was, like I said, 250, 255. And second shot or excuse me, 350, 355. Second shot was 385. And. Yeah, he laid down and it was over. I'm 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 looking at for that box on our website right now. I can't seem to find the Jonathan Anger series. I can't I can't <laughs> find that VIP white glove uh, treatment either because that's well, not. We I th- took off running. I remember running trying to find the stinking Rams in my scope, trying to run uphill. Well, to you get to the right spot. Yeah, I I, I want to oh qualify that. Gosh. Running is. Uh, uh, probably a questionable event at 16,000 feet. Yeah. <laughs> it was a 16,000-foot version of running. Oh, my oh gosh. Oh, my God. Um, my lungs were coming out. My – no. Um, uh, anyway, it was crazy. So, yeah, your, your hunt, I, I, I remember I, – I, I remember them. We were just getting into a new position to start looking at, at some rams, 
and we had wolves around us. And so we were videotaping. Um, I was videotaping a wolf through my spotting scope. We were getting some uh, record, uh, recording of this these two wolves, and one was jet black. I mean, he was just so cool. And I'm sitting there, and they go, uh, Jonathan um, shot a ram. And I'm like, Jonathan shot – and their English is not like ours. You know, we would say Jonathan's got a ram down. Jonathan killed a ram. Um, they said Jonathan shot at a ram. You know what I'm saying? And I'm like, so did he hit it? Yeah, he shot it, He shot at a ram. He hit it. Oh, is it dead? Yeah, he's got the ram. And I'm like, well, that's not the way to explain it to us. Okay. <laughs> you, know, you know, I'm like, what the hell? So anyway, um, through, through a little process of understanding their, their English, um, I was like, so Ankner's got a ram dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got his ram. It's, it's like he's got it. It's done. It's over. I'm like, now, now I got to tell you, I was a little green. I'm like, the gills were a little. I'm like, what the hell? He's killed a giant ibex and a ram, and we're 48 hours into this trip. Um, we could change names. Call me Brian. I'm okay with a day one ram. Usually, you know, I've just had three sheep. <laughs> the, the last three sheep hunts I've had have been a cluster. You know what I'm saying? And uh, um, I have not had great luck. And so here I am thinking, oh, boy, I'm coming all the way to Tajikistan, and the ram gods are still totally against me. <laughs> and Ankner's in a groove like no question. So anyway, um, yeah, it, w it was awesome. So then we – then actually that afternoon we were waiting for Jonathan's um, to come back with his ram, and we had spotted some rams. I still don't know how they even found them because when they said they're right there in the spotting scope and I was looking, I'm like, they looked like they looked like less than ants crawling in there when you did finally recognize what they were looking at. Um, but they are, there was a band of nine rams. And so we were like, dude, that's good, and there was two good ones in there. And uh, um, and Brad, they go, Brad, that's your ram. And he flared way out on his right side. I mean, he just went way out, you know. They said you wanted him to go to 3 o'clock. Well, his dipped down to 4 o'clock, the, the tip. And I was like, holy smokes. And so we got about uh, within two miles of that ram, mile and a half, and we sat there and watched him all night, the whole band. Yep. For seven hours we sat yep. on him, put him to bed. Yep. Ankner came back in. We celebrated with him. And then the next morning, they were like, uh, Jonathan. No, actually, that night, that night when we were putting that ram to bed, <laughs> they, they came out and they went, Jonathan, get your sh you going uh, <laughs> like what? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he, like, huh? he had one overnighter in the sheep herders cabin and then he was off to the luxury lodge again. So the VIP yeah. service. Yeah. So you had one night in a – hey, tell us about the Shepherds because you stayed in an actual Shepherds Lodge. Yeah, I stayed in a Shepherds Lodge with um, with a dirt floor and an old tin-sided stove where they were burning yak. Um, yak crap. Yak crap. Um you know, you've, you we, we got to make sure our guys know you, you, you've got to bring a, uh, a thermo rest or some type of uh, inflatable mattress um, that made it, uh, it. It made it comfortable. Uh, it, it was never uncomfortable, but the uh, like the, it, it's it, it's amazing. They, they, they've been running sheep over there on the side of these mountains for hundreds of years in the 
shelter is so rudimentary, but with a little bit of heat in that tin stove, it, it, it was comfortable all night. Um, it, it was not freezing cold. I mean, you woke up in the morning and, and, and any moisture that was outside had frozen overnight, but it was fa fairly comfortable. And, and thank goodness we only spent one night there. And then we spent one night with y'all in the, in the in the metal building shelter. And then they banished me. You know, they say, hey, look, the, the king does not need to live amongst <laughs> us peasants anymore. Oh, he my goes back praise to base Jesus. Camp. Um, this really happened. Yeah. I, mean, I, I wanted God. to stay with, with, with you commoners. Um, the, and the emperor has no clothes. Myself, but <laughs> I think they realized royalty was amongst their presence and they didn't want me there anymore. So I was back to the sauna and the spa. And the, uh, <laughs> uh, which is not an exaggeration. Not an exaggeration. There's a sauna. There's a cold pool. There's a there's a spa shower there. And so Ankner's back there, you know, um, having uh, uh, olives and grapes and uh, sitting in a spa. Not getting get, get, get my pedicure and you know more lotion between my toes. Can you can you pull Jim, these pant legs Jim, off? Jim Bonanno, Jim Bonanno yeah. style. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Oh well, yeah, and good. and there was Starlink there too. So and you, Starlink. the emperor had arrived back at his domain after conquering the mighty Marco Polo and the elusive ibex. And he was at Setting the helm. The he was at the helm games. of it all, watching football and back at the uh, um, at the La Casa, huh? That's correct. That's correct. Wait, waiting for you know, praying that you guys could uh, could pull it together and not embarrass the country. You know, and uh, I knew that the, <laughs> the, the 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 locals knew that at least America had one hunter. I was hoping that they would think eventually they they would see that there was at least three hunters from America. But you know, hey, I I didn't let them down. I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to make any commentary about what they were saying to me about you guys. Oh, later yeah. on. So Ankner goes back and gets his uh, next spa treatment, and uh, 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 Bradito and I are still out in the bush in the wilderness amongst the wolves and the snow leopards. Oh, now by the way, the first night we're there, we did get footage of a snow leopard. Um, they had a snow leopard at 1,600 and some yards up on a uh, on a uh, um, up on a big rock cliff at a knife's edge, and uh, he was sitting up there. And I got all kinds of so so. You want to go to our YouTube channel? Keep checking back to it because we will we will have footage of the snow leopard and the Marco Polo, and of course Jonathan Ankner's um, uh, uh, you know super arduous hunt that he had just engaged in and uh, um, killed up two amazing trophies. So the next, so that night then, okay, so whatever day that was, third or fourth night, I think it was the fourth night overall actually out in the Premier Mountains, then we were on Brad's ram and essentially I was going to shoot the other heavy horn ram because um, there was two good rams in there. Mm -hmm. But we put him to bed, and when we got up in the morning, somehow – those nine rams split and the two dominant rams were the one i was going to shoot and the one he was going to shoot and we found and located three of the rams with your ram in it right a mile up valley from where we from left where them. we had left them yep. and at right at light we were just getting like we found them and we took off before the sun was up and jonathan was gone now he had left back to uh 
um, his uh, rightful place as the king of uh, uh, the castle, and we were off like peasants trying to find another Marco Polo. Right. But we took off on foot we a did. mile. Yeah. And what happened? Well, we got up to our ram and we found him. It was super nice because the more rams, the more eyeballs and things get, you know, jumbled up and it, it they don't ever seem to stand still, right? They're all motoring. First of all, there's there's not it there's no trees. Doesn't look like there's any grass, you know, but they're all finding <laughs> stuff to live on for sure. And uh we found my ram and he was with two younger rams, which made it really nice because there were about three good rams. There was two big rams, older rams, and then there was a couple other that were close, right? So when they split off, we, we had the three, um, and they were alone. So it gave us less eyeballs to negotiate around. And we found we found these three big rocks because you're just looking at a mountain of marbles of rock you know i mean and there was a there was a spot where these three rams were right by three big boulders that were they kind of stood out so they gave you a spot to look at which was kind of neat and uh my ram was my ram was laying there and the other ram was kind of covering him up and we climbed up until we could get a vantage where where we had a good shot opportunity at him well and they could see us but they didn't know what we were the sun was just coming yeah. up and they weren't too scared because they were in the steep 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 you know what i'm saying so they had an exit strategy and they they were i don't want to say they were comfortable with us being there but everything worked in our favor yeah we had the wind in our favor we had the light in our favor the the sun had not came up yet uh it was dark in the valley and they knew something was down there, but they were on the steepest of steep, so they weren't too worried about it. Yeah. That was my perspective. And we yeah. got in a position. <laughs> and you made, and you made a hell of a shot at 605 yards, not 300 or 275 yards, because we didn't get the uh, – 652 uphill. Oh, that's so right, that, 652. Jonathan took all the magic, all the yeah, sedate, easy, flat. Don't be hunting. Don't don't be hating just because I am I am very <laughs> clandestine and can move along un un you know I, I, both of you I mean we got six five two ninety seven um, I know you can only get so close before before this your pure your pure size gives you away you know I don't hate me because I can I can creep clandestinely within oh my god yes doorstep of oh my god i am so glad this getting so deep in here right gonna now. nickname him ninja yeah ninja ninja that's right <laughs> so 652 yeah and uh we got it on video um it was amazing and a ram rolled down the mountain and uh it was uh party time now i was thinking at that moment this is awesome we're gonna go get pictures we get a ram, and we are gonna get going for another ram. But that is not what happened. Yeah. We got pictures. We spent an hour with the ram. We celebrated, and then they go, "That was easy." And we're like, "That wasn't easy." We hiked down a mile, and then we hiked a third the way up the mountain to get into the bluffs to shoot this thing on the sheer face of the mountain. And now we just hiked up to right where the sheer face went to the cliffs where it was at least flat enough for you to stand. 
and we're at 15,300 feet above sea level, and there's no oxygen, and there's nothing been easy about this. And the guide looks at us and goes, well, anybody that shoots a ram this early in the morning and has it this easy, and we're like, well, Angner's was easy. This wasn't easy. They're, he's like, we're just going to go that way up this valley. And we were like, well, how far up the valley? He goes to the end of it. And we're like, okay, no problem. And we look up the end of the valley, and I'm like, does it, it go further than it looked? I go, it? does it go past that? And he goes, oh yeah, it breaks left, and then there's a box valley in the back of that we're gonna look at for ibex today. And I'm like, we're gonna do, oh, we're gonna do what? Yeah, this is eight thirty in the morning. We we got oh, we got a day, so we start on eleven and a half mile journey at fifteen thousand feet above sea level hiking, while our wow. partner in crime and in the hunting world is back getting a pedicure in the lodge. Um, and, and I'm like, are you kidding me? So that was a true story. So he's living rent free in your head oh, yeah. all day. He's living rent free in my head all day, and I, and I'm having, hey. yeah, you. You, you. you know, flattery is the best form of uh, what's the thing? Um, something. Some <laughs> imitation is the best form of imitation flattery. Is, well, obviously, you're not imitating me because you're you're dragging your shit out for five, six, seven, eight days. Anyway, I wish you were imitating me but anyway i'm sorry i don't mean to take the summer the, the thunder out of your story go ahead uh, so no we 11 and a half uh, 11 and a half miles that day we hiked up the mountain we saw to the back pool. so many rams but we saw probably 300 300 sheep and they just none of them were you know and there was a couple good ones in there but i said i said to him i said uh, we're not shooting a sheep back here and and it was very clear at that moment we were not shooting a sheep back there. We were after one thing and one thing only, and that was to look into this back bowl where the ibex lived way at the highest level yeah. because we were going to kill a couple ibex and be moving out because there was no rams dying way back that far um, because we weren't getting them out. Does that make sense? Yeah, and uh, Brutal. Um, it was brutal. So which we just strapped up and uh, made the trek. And uh, Brad got sick. The food, uh, so did the guy got sick that day. They were not feeling good. Um, and then on the way down, we were ascending pretty fast or descending pretty fast. And my face went haywire because of the Diamox. Um, I was having a reaction to it. It felt like a caterpillar. I felt like my face had its own legs and it was crawling off. And yeah. so we were, we all felt the effects of 11 and a half miles at 15,000 feet above sea level that day. Um, and we were not in the spa. <laughs> no, I agree. I agree. <laughs> I mean, I wasn't there with you, but, but the Diamox and the, and the altitude and, and, you know, uh, we probably, we probably have a couple of three podcasts at least out of this. Um, but, uh, our listeners need to need, need to hear, um, Diamox or chubby pills will will work. They are they are they they do what they're supposed to do, but they do have side effects. The tingling, your fingers, your hands, your face it it it, it can be a little uh, 
uh, creepy. I guess that's what you're trying to describe. It was a little creepy. You're feeling your sensation on your face. It, it was. It was just a really weird feeling. And that day we exerted ourselves and we were running low on um, uh, liquids. And so we were dehydrated. And, and I had a pretty bad reaction to it. My, I mean, I, I felt like it, I felt like my ribs were cramping and my, my one lung felt like it was like, oh, I was having a panic attack underneath my ribs and then my face was crawling off. So that was the only day. I mean, it wasn't. Uh, I mean, we didn't stop us. We you, still you had a lot fun. of tinglies, though, from that. We, I did have a lot of tinglies. You did too, didn't you, Jonathan? No, that you was me. No, yeah. I, my my feet one to, one time uh, it was not nearly as bad as Kyrgyzstan a few years ago. Um, in Kyrgyzstan, we I was only twelve to thirteen thousand feet. Um, this time was I, I didn't have nearly the side effects of the altitude that that I had had before, but. Part of I I I think um, when I was in Kyrgyzstan a few years ago, it was 21 degrees below zero. So I, you know, I I, I ended up suffering from early onset frostbite. frostbite. So, yeah. yeah. So so some of my tingling was was that. Um, Boy, howdy. Well, my feet have not been the, the same. Today's the worst day since we've been back. My feet feel like my left foot feel like it's going to blow up. Um, and I've had neuropathy issues. Uh, from frostbite in Alaska from years ago, and I got a bad left ankle, yada, yada, yada. But I don't know if it's the Diamox. I don't know what it is, but I have not had this type of sensation. My toes feel like even right now as I'm sitting here talking, I've been ornery all day, yesterday, today. My feel feet feel like they're going to explode. It feels like it's stuffed sausage, and, and it's uh, – um, so I, I don't know if it's uh, still a side effect from it, or if it's just the altitude, what happened? But I'm back to ground zero with my feet that since sucks. the trip. So, but but I wonder you know, if it was the different is. boots too. Yeah, um, maybe. So it was. Uh, um, so anyway, so we killed then on day five for you, and uh, um, and we spent all day doing that. Yeah, and then we started uh, on day six. Um, hunting for Mia Marco Polo. Marco Brian Polo. And so anyway, um another the same type of deal. They found they saw those, I don't know, five, six miles away. I don't even know how they saw them back up in the end of this bowl. And it was like there's two good size and they were excited because they were alone. There was just two males together. Mm -hmm. And they were like, um, there's are gonna probably be bigger ones. We need to get closer. So then we got two miles away. Then you could see the horns flaring out on the one for sure and uh um we then the stock was on let's try to get within a mile and then let's start playing the wind um and see if we could get because yeah, we, we had a little bit of dicey situation with the wind but there was that that it was really unique because we were at the bottom of the valley and they were at the kind of same deal these canyons go up and there's a lot of box canyons now that's not a big deal for them because they can go up and over. Right. They had they had themselves in a great place for an escape route. Right. But the wind and it was, was the valley of death too. How many oh heads did we see gosh. in that valley? Hundreds and hundreds, hundreds and of heads hundreds in that valley of dead heads in that valley, like it was giant dead heads. And we're like, dude, yeah. it was the da va the valley so much so that some of the sheep herders just started stacking them up. Yeah. Um, and it, it was nuts. But anyway, go ahead. Yeah, but but uh, we moved a long way to try to get in a good position for a shot, and and even even as we did, you still had a 
kind of a wonky setup because you were – I did because there was no place because we had to get enough elevation because they were still up above us in that box canyon. And so the good news is the wind was blowing up towards them, but it was hitting a like almost like a jet stream because there was a point where there was a bench. And so we had to get up above the bench to be able to shoot into that canyon. And they were 585. I, I was doing my own ranging that day, and I, I had them set at 585. And there were two rams, and they told us the biggest one was coming. And he was quartering away hard. And I give him, I give him a minute of wind, which probably could have given him a little bit more. But, but I shot him the two. The pictures looked like I shot him back, but it was angling into the offside shoulder. I hit him twice. Um, but I had to set up on a rock, and literally this giant rock, I just laid on it like a like a cat over a pole or right. over a tree branch, and then I set my uh, my bipods up straddling the rock and i got all situated in there i had a really good rest and uh, uh i let the six creedmoor eat at 585 yards so that six creedmoor has had a, an incredible year right <laughs> yeah I've shot everything with your six creedmoor this year haven't Every, you? everything with my six creedmoor and uh it uh um it raised havoc on it it took two bullets um, tipped over. And then the strangest thing was when we got up to it, it looked like it just laid down like it was laying there waiting for us. Those big horns were just, you know, plop forward, and there he was. So um, by day six, we were all done. With the sheep. With the sheep. Yep. And then day seven, we got our Ibexes. Yep. Um, we found him about 10 o'clock in the morning. And then that was another not Jonathan Ankner-esque right. hunt. Uh, we had to go in two miles to the base of the mountain. And then we had to go straight up uh, an hour and a half um, to 16,000 feet to get a shot at 510 yards. Yeah. Yeah, we did We did not have the Jonathan Ankner. We did Ankner not have treatment. the Ankner. No. No. This no. Was like, I'm, I'm like perplexed say, now thinking about it. Signed up for the real deal, and Jonathan got the valet service. I would go back. Well, I, I, I think Vosif looked – he probably sized the three of us up and then, um, you know, he, <laughs> and then sized up his staff and said, okay, we want to put the alpha with the alpha. And then <laughs> it's just it was just the luck of the draw, I guess. <laughs> yeah, that's probably exactly what happened. And then they went, let's set these other minions out here, and uh, we'll f around and find out what they can come up with. So <laughs> anyway, it's only weird if you make it weird, right, guys? <laughs> so exactly, it's only weird if you make it weird. Let me ask you this before we go on: conservatively, or or just realistically. In five days of chasing sheep, how, how many sheep would, would you say we saw? Ewes, lambs, rams? Um, 2,000. 2,000. 2,000. Yeah. I would yeah, say we 2,000. We were there, what, seven? We, we hunted seven days, I think, wasn't it? And 2,000, so what's that, 300? Almost 300 a day. Well, we hunted, yeah, we hunted an eighth day. And probably we, was, were up trying we probably to, saw more than You guys would not let me shoot at that wolf. Um, but I could have killed him, and uh, that's just total disappointment. But anyway, well, we saw um, wolf. I mean, we saw wolves. There were dust storms of ibex getting chased by wolves. I mean, you just yeah. you just saw this is like it the old crazy. the old time movies, the dust storm with the posse <laughs> coming behind. And, you. There, and there was a wolf, yeah. cha two wolves chasing ibex around. Yeah. So I would say two thousand. I would say two thousand uh, um, animals total. We saw. Um, rams and lambs and ewes and Marco Polo. It was yeah. absolutely and, and you know, amazing. 
And you know what's incredible is, you, you know, the, 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 there's a, a saying that more people will will ascend and make base camp on Mount Everest in a single year than will legally harvest a Marco Polo sheep in the world. So uh, I'm not I'm not tooting our horn, but what we what we did is so incredibly rare that um, it's, you know, I, I, I'm still going through after action reviews of, you know, th th this, this is a hunt. Go it goes back for us three to 2019, 2020. Right. And, and what we did. Um, yeah, that's a good point. We've been planning on it for four years. Right. Well, it's funny because Mount Everest, what, what is it? 20, 22,000, 22,000 feet, some higher. Some, 29. 29,000. 16. Um, yeah, that's, that's pretty interesting. That's, uh, yeah, we're, we're two, two, two third, roughly two thirds of the way up Mount Everest is where we golly. existed for eight or nine days. You well, know? we looked at a peak called Ka'a Pamir, Ka'a Ka Pamir. I don't know, but we looked at this peak the whole time and it was in Afghanistan and that, that one's at 20,700 and 35 um 20,735 feet um and then the other one close to us was the uh Quayle Carl Marks and um that one was at 22,067 so this was no joke it's yeah no no joke it's not it's not for the faint of heart but when you have the time that in in the hunt schedule you, you, it takes your body about a day, maybe maybe a day and a half to adjust. It's it's not insurmountable. It's not something. Uh, there there was no time during this hunt that I said casually or or intimately to myself, I can't do this. I I, I the, the vehicles getting us as high as they could um, were a benefit. But I'll, I'll be honest, guys. Uh, my training this summer was probably less than than spectacular compared to, to what I've done in the past. But I struggled more with the frigid cold in Kyrgyzstan three years ago than I did with the altitude where we were. It was it's all it's all about one step in front of the next. Uh, pace yourself. You've got plenty of time. It's, it's going to happen. And there's two thousand to three thousand sheep. It's not like you're in Anchorage and you're you're kicking around for 19 days and you see one legal ram. There were legal rams everywhere. Right. Well, the uh, the elevation, obviously, the the air was thin for sure, but those guys smoked. All of those guys smoked, and oh, and I that's had, correct. And yeah. I had I had more trouble when they would smoke or even the sage and the yak poop. Um, you know that bothered me. That little stuff bothered me that contributed more to now it's hard to breathe i i i didn't find it, uh, i mean i had i was stuffed up a little bit uh, i took the diamox every day so i don't i don't want to say that it didn't help me um i wasn't gonna i wasn't gonna fork around and find out if it did or didn't um i stayed on it the whole time and i was fine i, I thought i was gonna have altitude problems i had a little i had some bloody noses um i'd wake up and i'd have a bloody nose you know um but that's just typical 
altitude issues that I would have in Colorado at 13,000 feet. You know what I'm saying? Um, you know, when, when you're in Aspen skiing, um, I had those same issues. So it, it didn't affect, you know, me either. I think all of us really did fare well from it. I think it was an expedition of epic proportion. Um, and I think that that's the thing that stood out to all of us. It was way more than harvesting a sheep or an Ibex. Yeah, for sure. Oh, without a doubt, without a doubt, with without when you when you consider, I mean, the travel, the air travel is is one thing, but the road travel along that road, going through the villages, the beep beep beep, I'm passing you. Uh, the Afghans, the, the, the Afghans, the traders, the walk, Afghans, yeah, with, with their camels and their their donkeys and their horses, all, you know, all dressed in, you know, it felt like you were back in biblical times. You know what I'm saying? Um, the sheep herders, you'd be glassing 27 miles from nowhere, God knows how far from civilization, and you'd see a lone shepherd standing on the side of a mountain or at the peak of a mountain at 15,000 feet with 200 domestic sheep and goats and just moving them along you know um the the sheep herders huts uh it, it was going back would you say three to five hundred years right it was yeah. amazing yeah yeah well, the yeah. the on the tajikistan and side the sheep herders goat herders whatever you'd come through it was just another day they see vehicles the afghan side when a vehicle would come down and we would see an Afghan sheep herder, goat herder, whatever. You know, they usually had both in their in their little uh, deal. Those the sheep and goats just took off running when they saw vehicles because they don't see vehicles. They were not used to, and and there's still the river that separated it. But it was like it's like what are they running from? They don't see cars. So yeah, it was really neat. So would you guys do it again? Yeah, in a minute. I'd go again. I'm actually, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm probably done sheep hunting over here for a while. Um, I, uh, I got some other plans. Um, uh, and you know, there's a limited time on this earth. There's a limited time for me to be running up and down these mountains. And uh, it has given me new perspective. I, I would like to, in, in, uh, we don't like these to go forever. Right. So uh, I think we should wrap this up, but I think what we should do is get this out to the world and, and let them hear what, what, you know, that we love you listeners and we wanted to get this out to everybody, but we owe this expedition um, we owe it, uh, a couple more. Um, wouldn't you agree? Sure. Oh, I, we, we can do one just, just alone on, on Ibex. I mean, this, this one's pretty much been Marco Polo. We can, we can do one just going over the, the Ibex and how many Ibex we saw. And, and, and then, um, the Ibex yeah, are the I mean, cool, cool animal yeah. with those nodules on their horns. You know, those, those, uh, knobs. It was like, holy smokes. They're, they're really amazing. Neat. I could go shoot many more Ibex in oh, my future. Sure. That's, that's if, if you were, if you wanted to dabble in it, that would be the way to dabble. Just go to, go do the Tajikistan Ibex hunt. Be a blast. Yeah. Cause, cause I think we do, you know, the, the, the Afghanis, the, the, the culture that we saw from afar, uh, how they deal with the Tajikistan, uh, just, uh, I did, let me ask you this. Did you feel threatened at all at any time, Jonathan? Never, never. The only time I felt uncomfortable was on the road with, with, uh, you know, because of my fear of heights, I, I never felt like, 
uh, when, when we went through checkpoints and the, the military were super cool. Uh, I mean, they were just as enthused to see us as we were to see them. Yeah, all, uh, all I never the, felt unsecure at all. All the young soldiers, because m- mandatory, what is it? Two years mandatory Two years, service yep. in Tajikistan. The young guys, so the older generation, all part of the Soviet Union, right? They speak, well, the guys in this area, they speak their tribal languages, like 50,000 people that speak the tribal language there. They speak Tajikistan, they speak Russian, you know, and whatever else, who, however they come. But the younger generation learns English. So the young soldiers would come up and say, uh, what did they say, strangers or, or uh, visitors? Where, where are you from? I said, America. Oh, America, very cool, very cool, or something. You know, they, was, they, were, they, were, they were intrigued and uh, happy to see us. They yeah, were very we were nice well received. Yeah. We were well received. I never, felt, I never felt threatened once. I never felt you didn't, did you? No. No. It, 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 was, it was absolutely amazing. Except so, for when you went down by the river and they said, don't wander too far, right? <laughs> yeah. I went down to go pee and they go, you don't need to go too far down to the river. Because it was Afghan and there was a lot of military in that area patrolling the borders. But, um, but hell, these guys, we were standing right in the yeah. border waters. Um, you know, it, it was an amazing adventure. Absolutely amazing. It, the, the travel wasn't as bad as I thought. It was easier to get a gun into uh, Tajikistan than it is to Canada. Then the Hilton in um, Chicago, and the, and uh, yeah, it was easier than the Hilton in Chicago. Um, but even the Hilton in Chicago, uh, you know, we, we just had an amazing time. Um, it's duplicatable, it's repeatable, and the outfitter is wants you to shoot big animals. Yep. He does not want you to shoot small ones at all. They're very picky, um, and uh, it can happen in 48 hours. It can take five days. Um, but the reality is is there's more rams and more to look at. It's a, not a matter of if you're going to get one. It's a matter of what you're going to get And uh, is the way I looked at it. And it, it was pretty incredible. Yeah, there was no short. I mean, y- you wander around the Alaska range or the Yukon and you, you know, like, yeah, just like Jonathan said, there were, we saw tons of sheep, tons Tons of sheep. Yeah. It was absolutely fantastic and amazing. So, well, listen, we appreciate you listening. Um, right now, uh, we will, uh, um, we'll, you can go check out our website, rollingbones.com, uh, go to, uh, Tajikistan on the dropdown of adventures. You can preview this. We got lots of pictures on there. We got lots of information about it. If you're interested, give us a call 605-644-8000. This is not one to send us an email. You can send us an email, give us your information, but we, we would want to have a conversation with you. Uh, Jonathan will take the time. Brad will take the time. I'd take the time but if you're ever have thought about traveling internationally if you ever thought about doing a hunt i would consider this one that you should throw in the hat and uh read the tea leaves on and take a good look at it because um uh, cost wise uh it's not as much as a uh stone sheep and it is an epic 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 adventure so go to rollingbones.com check it out um, you know, we appreciate you listening. Uh, this was an amazing hunt. We will do a number two of this. We'll review this, listen to it, and uh, get another one out so we can get some more details for you because I think there's a lot of enthusiasm as we just got back. Right, guys? For sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we appreciate you listening. As always, be uh, safe, stay healthy, and happy hunting.